Well, welcome to Hot Topic. Uh, I'm Pete G, and over the past few months, as you know, along with my co-pilot, Digby Pape, who's with me now, um, we've both been testing some very nice new vehicles, kindly supplied by Gaisley Motors Wellington. Tonight being the last show of the year on our motoring segment, we decided we'd head off to the Hutt Valley and pay a visit to O'Reilly's Garage uh, on the Hutt Road, home of some very, very exotic cars. So I'm joined now by um, Elliot Andrew, who uh, works with Simon O'Reilly in running this very, very slick operation here. And the first thing we'd notice, of course, is that it's absolutely jam-packed with some of the most exotic cars I've ever seen in my life, actually. And um, so, thanks for sparing uh, some time today, um, Elliot. It's really good to catch up with you, and perhaps you could start off by telling me about this very impressive showroom, how it all came about, and um, I notice, actually, you've, um, you've actually ramped it up recently, and it's looking really good. So, how did the whole thing come together? Uh, the whole idea was uh, was formed around uh, Simon O'Reilly, our director. Um, he he wanted to offer, uh, I guess, a, a showroom or an opportunity for purchasers to um, have a little bit of choice, I guess, in terms of what they what they want to buy. Mm. Um, quite often, you go to these uh, franchise dealers, and it's a very different sort of buying experience. Mm. Um, he wanted to create something that was a bit more bit more relaxed in terms of the buying experience for for, for people. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, offer that offer that choice and a range. I mean, we stock a range of cars, everything from high end luxury cars all mm. the way to vintage classic cars. Yeah. Um, we do you know your more modern Range Rover Sports. We do your Audis. We do we do pretty much everything that we right. can get our hands on. Right. So mainly European, but. We have had a few Japanese cars yep. too. Yeah. So um, I've known you for quite a while, and over the years we've talked about your motor racing career and starting off in carts and this sort of thing. So for you personally, it seems like um, cars are in your <laughs> in your makeup, and um, you've surprised us a little bit this morning with some information which I won't go into. But um, but up until now, you've had a pretty good run. Has it all been in Wellington selling cars? Uh, yes, it has for me. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been yeah, selling cars yeah. um, total for about ten years now. Right. So yeah, all in Wellington. Yeah. So when the opportunity came from Simon to get into this, I guess you didn't have to get asked twice. No, it was a bit of a no-brainer, really. Mm. Um, you know, these days no one really makes a bad car. Um, they're all as they're all as good as each other. But they all offer different things, yeah. um, different styling, um, different performance. Um, they just they. Cars have changed, I, I guess. You know, you often hear people talk about oh, Skoda or you know that sort of brand, and they go, oh, that's, "That was a horrible brand years ago mm. when I was growing mm. up." And that's not the case anymore. They're all owned by, um, you know, the the same manufacturer will own multiple different brands. It just comes down to what the um, what the what the person wants to buy or what they like yeah. and what their preference yeah. are. So um, it's nice to be in a position where um, I'm not just selling one brand of car, mm. um, and you can you can sell obviously multiple. But, yeah, you know, Rolls Royce. BMW, Bentley, mm. they're all very, very different. Yeah. But they, they walk the same. What have you got in today? What sort of cars have you got today out there? Um, I've got, uh, I've got a 1975 Porsche 911. I've got um, a 2014 Porsche uh, 911 Turbo S. We've got um, a Mercedes S-Class, a new top of the range 2021 Mercedes S-Class. Um, we've got um, Rolls Royces, Lamborghini. Um, yeah, I've got a Lamborghini Countach, 1989 Countach. 
Um, you have an old Jaguar Mark II Jag. TVRs, TVR. got, yeah, got got all sorts, yeah. Mm. So, couple of Lanciophobias, couple of Lanciophobias, yep, have those. Alfa Romeo, yes, yep, a couple mm. of Alfa Romeos we've had, mm. um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we've just we've got actually a couple of really, really nice Maseratis here too, that um, are both very, very rare and handmade mm. by mm. a company called Touring out of um, Milan, uh, 19, a 1963. Um, Maserati 3500 GT, right. yeah, beautiful right. car. Yeah. So these cars, I mean, obviously, just running through that list and having had a look at some of them, I mean, some of them are definitely what you'd call collectors' cars. Um, with those cars in particular, um, do you buy them outright or do you sell them on behalf? Uh, it really kind of varies, depending on the opportunity and what the um, what the yeah. you know prior owner wants to do. We can sell yeah. on behalf. We've yeah. done that a lot. Uh, but we've also bought a lot of cars too. So yeah. um, we've trade we trade cars as well. So we'll trade yeah. anything. Um, yeah, any which way you can right. cut it, we'll do it. So we've yeah. got a vintage classic speedboat out there. Yeah, we've got a couple of old antique American boats over there. Yeah, but, uh, mm. yeah. they look yeah. great. Yeah, they do. They're, they're lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So the um, do you import cars? Yeah. Yeah, we, we have done. Um, we've uh, we've imported a, a few from Japan. Um, we've also imported uh, numerous ones from the UK as well. Um, we started doing that a lot in the early stages of of when we opened the business, but. Um, since then, it's all kind of changed. We found that there's actually plenty of good good stock here. Simon's mm. always looking around the country, and he's got a really good relationship with a lot of the other dealers mm. around the country. We were able to source stock from, so mm. um, that's not so much of a problem. So, do you um, get inquiries from people and sort of go sourcing cars on behalf? We can do. Mm. Um, we we usually find um, the stocks here usually already here. Yeah. Um, but the other thing too is if you know someone wants to buy a brand new 2021 Range Rover through us, um, we usually find it's easier to refer them on to yeah. a dealer or where we've got a yeah. relationship with them um, yeah. and, and help them out through that way. Mm. Um, because there would really be kind of no advantage of us um, getting it through here. We, we can do it mm. um, and, we're, and we're happy to do it. Mm. Um, but usually the stuff that we're importing or that we're sourcing is... Oh. The rarer, the rarer cars that come from the UK, yeah. for example, like the Maserati, the thirty five hundred GT up yeah. the front that we sourced yeah. for a client. So um, I know the people in Auckland with an eighty five day lockdown, the dealers up there have been hit really, really hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of them must be right on the edge of shutting the door. Yeah. Has COVID had much of an effect on your operation in the last two years? We've, we've. Um, when we had that first lockdown um, back uh, last year, mm. um, we thought it was going to be a lot harder than it was, to mm. be honest. Mm. Um, it kind of, we came out of a lockdown and it was all guns blazing and there were cars flying out the door. We probably had one of our better months. Um, no doubt, the, no doubt the, the, the dealers in Auckland will be finding it very, very tough. Every business, small mm. or big, will be finding it difficult up there. Yeah. Um, I imagine they still would have done a few deals, but nothing on the, on the scale yeah. that they normally would. Yeah. Um, the biggest problem for a lot of the main franchise dealers is getting stock. Mm. Um, obviously, with ports closed and things like that, mm. there's not enough cars, new cars rolling off. Factories, of course, closing overseas. Yeah. Um, they've only just managed to pick back up production. and um, So now we're kind of in that holding pattern mm. and waiting for that new stock to arrive, then the trades come in, and then mm. they get circulated mm. around the, 
mm. the country that they are dealers. So, so how is that affecting second-hand prices? Uh, I think what it's doing with the second-hand car market is it's actually holding their prices fairly firm. Um, you know, we're seeing that um, you know used used cars are, are are getting some stuff's actually more than than what we anticipated it would it would be. Mm. Um, so you know, it's actually it's held all of the used stock prices very very firm, um, and you know I don't see that changing probably for the next you know six months to a year. Yeah. it's still going to be the yeah. still going to be the same. The type of um, client that you pander to, um, being very much a one of a better word petrol head type person, the advent and the oncoming. Um, talk that we're hearing and they're here in, in increasing numbers is the electric vehicle scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, is that likely to have an impact on your industry? I don't mean short term but longer term do you think? Hey look long term possibly but I yeah. don't it would have to be a very very long way out. I don't yeah. see it I don't see it changing. Um, you know Kiwis, I mean, the electric vehicle thing could be great if it's just a little commuter vehicle and you're using mm-hmm. it to go to and from the office. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But um, the biggest issue that um, facing probably New Zealanders with the electric with electric vehicles is the fact that as Kiwis, we like to tow. We like to tow our boats. We like to tow, you know, trailers. And uh, you know, we've all got, you know, we've built up a lot of tradies. You know, this is a, mm-hmm. a, a country that's got a lot of tradespeople in it, and mm-hmm. so they need to be able to tow stuff, use this, mm-hmm. and you can't do that with an electric vehicle. Yeah. I also don't think that the infrastructure is up to it. Yeah. Um, you know, until you have every car park with an electric charging station, um, or even you know fuel stations, there's still numerous fuel stations that don't mm. have electric charging capabilities, mm. um, and that's still going to be a long way off. Yeah. I think in five years' time we'll still be having the same conversation. Yeah. Um, mm. And by the time electric vehicles become a real normal thing or a volume thing here. The technology would moved on again, and we'll yeah. be doing something else. It's also we may not be able to generate enough electricity yeah. to charge some of these cars. The other thing That's too, true. from my perspective, and maybe it's me showing my age, but I can't see people in the future having the same connection with a classic EV as they might have with the sort of stuff that we're talking about here. You no, know? like an, an EV, an EV will be. Um, they they have a purpose, mm. um, just just like our microwaves and fridges do yeah. at home. They'll be an appliance, and yeah. you'll use it for three or four years, yeah. and then you'll throw it away, and you'll get another yeah. one. Yeah. So there's also a lot of what well, a lot of people aren't really thinking about when they buy an electric vehicle is the environmental cost of actually disposing of the batteries because yeah, that is something right. that is going yeah. to have to come up. Yeah. Um, and they are like a phone battery; yeah. they will go old with, and tired over time, yeah. and they'll need replacing, and they'll yeah. be useless. So yeah. Yeah. it's how you dispose of those. Yeah. And actually, a lot of the, a lot of the time now, modern cars are actually very clean burning. They're not dirty. Like we don't our diesel consumption. Yeah. You know, like on these modern cars with the eight speed, nine speed, yeah. sometimes ten speed gearboxes. Yeah. The um the fuel consumption is very very little. Yeah. Um and as well with petrol cars, you know, one point four liter turbo engines that are doing you know six and a half litres per hundred kilometres, even mm. sometimes even less than that. Mm. I think Audi are claiming they've got an engine that the air that comes out of the exhaust pipe is cleaner than the stuff they're sucking in. Yeah, well, um, I think um, Hyundai as well, have, uh, I think that's with um, with one of their, I can't remember off the top of my head what it's called, um, but they run with hydrogen. 
um, and it, it's actually, um, you know, the, the air that it's bringing in is actually dirtier than what goes out of it, which is quite extraordinary. So, mm, mm. yeah. Looking, uh, you've been with Simon how long now? A little over four years now. Four years. Yeah. In that time, is there any particular car that stands out for you as being something that you thought, whoa, this is something different? Uh, yeah, the Lamborghini Countach certainly was oh, one, right. um, but uh, I mean that's that's a pretty special car. Mm -hmm. um, but probably it was probably in the in, right in the beginning when we when we started. Um, there was a SLR McLaren that we had here, um, very rare. Uh, I think one of only two in the country. Right. Um, and that car in the flesh was extraordinary. Mm -hmm. um, it's probably one that I'll probably remember remember the most out of all of them. Mm -hmm. I'd say, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And what car would you like to see rolling in for four foot? A guy wants to trade in, and you think, yes, we'd love one of those. What would that be? Oh, every car. <laughs> um, yeah, like we like I say, we we love we love all cars. We love everything. So yeah. um, it could be uh, you know like I'm an Italian car person, you know, at heart. So any classic or you know modern Alfa Romeo or a Lancia or a Fiat or. Maserati or Ferrari or something, um, but we like we like all cars, and it's hard to pinpoint exactly what my favourite one would be or what I'd like to have. Or... Rolling on from that question, do you have um, a situation where you kind of play a game and you think match a car to a person? I mean, have you ever come across uh, that? Not, not really, to be honest. No. Um, it's people want what they want. Yeah, and they they yeah. would have done their research nine times yeah. out of ten. The reason for asking that question is, I mean, after four years, you've built up a rapport with a big client mm -hmm. base. So, I mean, is there situations where you'll ring somebody and say, hey, I just happened to have an Alpha 33 oh, here yeah, at the absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That, and that happens. That happens yeah. too. You know, um, if we don't have what, you know, if we don't have what you, yeah. at, at that day, what yeah. what you require, yeah. um, you know, we, and it could be, you know, tomorrow, it could yes. be next week, it could be yeah. a month later. Yeah. Um, it will turn up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we can call you and say, hey, this has arrived. Yeah. What do you want to do? Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's always an option as yeah. well. Yeah. So you're trading with other dealers around the country, sourcing up, um, from other yep. dealers as well yep. all the time? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Stuff that they, they may be overstocked and they can't yep. keep or, um, you know, they want to move on to us. We can we do that as well. So. We've got a good relationship with them. Right. Elliot, uh, I notice in here, unlike all the other dealerships in town, mm -hmm. the cars are very colourful. Yes, I think it's important. Yes. So yeah. the colourful cars you prefer rather than the silver, blacks and whites? Um, look, sometimes we don't have a choice. Sometimes there's a lot of silver, black and white cars, and it is very, very common. We try to arrange the front of the showroom to have a vast amount of colour. Um, it's a bit like having a colourful sort of flower shop window I suppose yeah. um, it kind of gets gets people's attention and you know for example the, the bright yellow 75 Porsche 911 is the right car to have in the window it gets yeah. everyone's heads turning and looking yeah. through the window and that's kind of what we want being the type of dealership that you are I mean you're you must be a point of destination for a lot of people they come looking so. for you yeah I think yeah. so I think yeah. they, they know that O'Reilly's Garage is where a lot of the high-end and interesting cars are, yeah. um, and like I say, look, it's not your conventional car dealership. You know, we um, we've got a pretty relaxed atmosphere. Yeah, um, very lucky to have the that. The Berlinetta coffee. Yeah, we've got the Berlinetta coffee cart out the front, so people can relax, have yeah. a coffee outside in the sun. Yeah. Um, we've got plenty of off-street parking. 
but I just think it's um, there's no other dealership um, you know in Wellington that offers no, a sort of experience no. where you can kind of come in and relax and have a look at some of these cars up close. Mm. Um, I remember years ago they had um, Clarks and Kyber Pass. I don't. I think that went years ago. But is there anywhere like this in Auckland that? Um, in Auckland, you, obviously, you've got the big main dealers that, mm. that specialise in all of yeah. the high-end luxury yeah. cars, and yeah. that's probably that's probably it at this stage. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're outside of um, outside of there. We are really kind of the only yeah. place. Yeah. So that multi-brand aspect that you have, I must say that my brother and I love coming here because hey, we love cars. But the Berlinetta Coffee Lounge enables us to have somewhere interesting to meet. Yeah. And amongst mm. like-minded people, you know, there's always somebody interested yep. in cars mm. here. So. Yep. And it's a relaxed environment so, too, which is what good, we what Good is what place we like. to be, so, yep. you know, some of the listeners might like to call in here and yeah. chew the yeah. and have a coffee. Well, I mean, that's that's the point. As you know, our um, our show goes to up the Capity Coast. There's probably lots and lots of people. I know that um, in areas that are a little bit outside of Wellington, they can think of a million reasons why they don't want to come to Wellington, not the least of which that... Transmission Gully, if it ever actually opens. Um, but in actual fact, from my way of thinking, someone like me that is quite keen on, on cars, this would be a perfect place, point of destination on Saturday, head to O'Reilly's at Hutt Road and go and see what they've got because it's quite eye-opening, actually. And the other thing is the landscape changes constantly, doesn't it? It does, yeah. yeah, yeah. Things are always happening, moving, yeah. leaving, coming, arriving. Yeah. Right, so now we get on to a very, very interesting uh, exercise that we had the greatest of pleasure with, and I'll let Digby lead in because he was absolutely determined that he was going to have a look at this car, and so Digby, the floor is yours, tell us all about this wonderful car you found. Well, well, there are two Aston Martins out here, there's a DB7 which ran from 2003 to about 2016, 14 maybe, about 12 years and it's a, a V12 car, a 5.7 litre, 450 horsepower and if you think of James Bond and you think of Aston Martin, this is the shape, the DB9. In my opinion, the best looking Aston that's ever been made. And subsequent models, they've had to change it slightly to make it look a bit different and I don't think they've improved upon it at all. Mm. So it's the archetypal Aston Martin mm. and it's a luxury um, two-door coupe it's got some room in the back for toddlers uh, not much a huge bonnet containing a huge engine which makes a huge sound <laughs> through a lovely six-speed automatic gearbox mm. uh, Peter couldn't help spin the wheels every time he took off I had to tell him what it hard about to do <laughs> <laughs> so once I got him under control we're on <laughs> so we took it up to Kaitoki there which was lovely and sunny and uh, took some photographs of it. Um, this car is beloved by all English reviewers. Um, the, the, the Top Gear guys, they compared it with a, a Mercedes, a Porsche and what other car? And a Bentley. Mm. And they concluded these three other cars were better but which one would you have? Mm. They all chose the DB9 mm. and because it is just such a gorgeous car. Um, with that big V12 motor, it's theoretically supposed to be a lot smoother than a V8, mm. although I didn't detect that myself. Um, the seating position is very low, very narrow bolsters, for, not designed for fat blokes like me. 
And uh, you're sitting in a go kart because you are on the floor, aren't you? literally. Yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, but good visibility out of it. Um, when you start it up, um, which is a push button start, which is a feature I like, um, you know, roars and gives a big rev and makes lots of noise, and that was delightful. Mm. Um, you know, if you're going to have a car like that with big 19 inch wheels, big power, mm. um, you know, you want a bit of drama and a bit of theatre. Um, it was designed by Ian McCallum, now that might mean, mean nothing to most people, but he is considered the, the number one designer in the world and he's moved on to other companies mm. and designed ranges of cars. I think he might have moved to Audi there for a while. Mm. Um, the sound system option for this car is being an Olufsen, although this one didn't have it. Um, it's, uh, it's got a, a big boot on it, 6.7 cubic feet, so that's enough. Um, I couldn't find the uh, seat adjusters until I got out of it, just at the end of the show. By that stage, I tumbled out onto the floor and made an idiot of myself, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, this car was replaced by the um, DB11, um, which they've got one out here. I think it would be a bit pricey. This car is only $70,000, mm. and it's hardly done any miles, so mm. you know, if I don't buy it, maybe you could, Peter. Beautiful it's colour, beautiful too. beautiful gunmetal, gunmetal yeah. car. Yeah. And uh, it's, in most respects, it's like new, isn't it? Mm, mm. So I would say, yeah, if you if you want to to cut a bit of a dash, they do 190 miles an hour, which is pretty mm. handy around, isn't it? I was absolutely amazed. I mean, it, as you say, it um, is a far and away a better design than when they came out with the Vantage later on. Yeah. Um, it's the iconic um, Aston Martin shape, and it it really is a car that has everything. And I reckon for a very, very reasonable price, actually, $69,990. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you wanted to go out and pretend to be James Bond. Well, who would do that? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I did notice you turned up in your bow tie this morning, uh, Dick Vicks. Pure coincidence. Yeah. I was on my way to a ball. Right. Uh, not true. Well, that's about all I need to yeah. say about that yeah. car. I thought it was a remarkably beautiful car. It was very nice to drive. It's not a... It doesn't feel like a sports car to me. It's mm. a Grand Tourer. It's yeah. quite a heavy car. Yeah. Um, so it's a, a highway cruiser, and it did that beautifully. We took it, you know, well out of town, and it, it drives on the highway just beautifully. Mm. No surprises. Doesn't jump out of line. You know, when you were opposite lock broadsiding around the public highways there, mm. didn't frighten you at all, did it? It's a good solid car. It gives you that feeling of um, being planted on the road, mm. and... Um, that's a good feeling, particularly when you've got that many horses yes. under your control. So, yeah. So there we are. That's us at um, O'Reilly's Garage once again. Um, Elliot, thanks very much for your time this morning. We've thoroughly Pleasure. enjoyed the no experience. Problem. And um, some of our Capity Coasters make the trip in, into town. It'd be really worth your while. Come and have a look because you'll come back, I can assure you. Oh. <laughs> sure. yeah. but if you like cars, it's like Mecca. <laughs> Ha ha! James Bond, the killer.
Well, that's our show for tonight. That's the last um, motoring uh, segment for the year of um, Digby Pape and myself, Pete G. Uh, very, very pleased to uh, have an opportunity to spend a bit of time with um, with Elliot at uh, O'Reilly's Garage today. And, of course, as you will have heard, a fantastic time uh, with the Aston Martin DB9. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful day and a really, really uh, great outing. So uh, thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Uh, next week we'll be back with um, Carolyn from the Hoo-Ha Animal Refuge. And this time, I know I've been promising for more than three years, nearly four, that we'd go up to the new site up in um, Haywards and, and have a look at the big new complex that they're building up there. This time, it's actually going to happen. I promise me, uh, we are going, and uh, we'll bring you all the details in our next show. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Catch you back at the same time next week. Choose to make a part of me, but should have strike me dead. And now I'm one toe over the line, sweet Jesus, one toe over the line. Sitting downtown in a railway station, one toe over the line. Waiting for the train that goes home, sweet Mary, hoping that the train is on time. Sitting downtown in a railway station.
This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast, and through the AccessMedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.